0: Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing.
1: Stop the Killing is proud to be supported by our sponsor, EasyPA. EasyPA is an integrations-capable communication software that connects older building systems, such as signage and public address systems, to modern software technologies, such as panic alarms and mass communication systems. Go to easypa.com, that's E-Z-Y-P-A.com to learn how to integrate your systems today
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, True Crime Podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schwite, the former head of the FBI's Active Shooter Program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Today, Catherine, we're going to be talking about actually a case that got brought to our attention by one of our listeners. It's the San Jose VTA shooting that happened on the 26th of May, 2021. So only last year as we're recording this. I think.
1: The reason that our listener brought this up is to say, hey, have you done anything about people who are angry? So that's our watchword on this episode is anger.
0: Lovely. So, Let's add that to hatred, which was the episode we've just recently recorded as well. What a lovely vocab we have on Stop the. I,
1: I know. This is why no one invites me to dinner parties anymore. <laughs> oh, <God>.
0: That's, that's <laughs> not happening to me.
1: you um, me
0: down
1: with you. Right. Exactly. I'm going to refer to this as the VTA shooting, which is the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority. And the VTA is a bus and light rail transportation system. So what we have is an incident today involving a shooting at the VTA in Santa Clara. The shooter is a 57-year-old employee of the business. This subject works at the VTA and, and has, for a number of years, first at 539, they discern that he lights his home on fire. And what he does is actually he puts many rounds of ammunition into a pot on the stove, and he is trying to get his house to light on fire and explode.
0: Was there anybody in the house?
1: No. House was empty. So you might say, why? Yeah. End gaming kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. Very much end gaming. Right. So this tells me, oh, you know, maybe he was planning on committing suicide. That's an indicator. It also Mm -hmm. tells me as we saw in the Aurora theater shooting here in Colorado, the shooter had wires and homemade bombs all over IEDs. We call them improvised explosive devices all over his apartment. He intended to blow up his apartment building to distract police from what he was going to do over at the movie theater. And he didn't care that he was going to kill everybody in the apartment building in the meantime. So this guy set the house on fire and tried to create kind of some potential diversion there. 6.33, the fire department is called. Now you would say, oh, to the house? No, 6.33, the fire department is called to the VTA.
0: Right. Who by?
1: Somebody who's calling to say there's an injured person here. We need you to send an ambulance.
0: But they called the fire department.
1: Right. So very quickly after that, somebody also calls the police and the facilities actually happen to be very close by. And within two minutes, the police are on the scene. But complicating it is that uh, we have more than one building here. So the fire department arrives at building A and kind of complicating it is that this is the early morning shift change. How many people
0: are there on site then?
1: At least 100 people on site, shift changing. And there in fact are in building A, where the shooter goes to first, He goes into that building and he goes into a conference room where a union chief is there and there are other people there. It's a conference room, one door in, no other way out. 6.35, police are nearby. They're hearing that there are shots being fired and they get to building A and he walks into a room where he knows the people there. He's at the table and he stands up and he says, this is how the union treats people. And he begins shooting people. And the head of the union is there in the room, but he doesn't shoot that individual. But he shoots other people, right? Remember when we were talking about the mother who was so scared, she bought backpacks that were bulletproof and she bought little blood packets for her kid to chew on Mm -hmm. so that she could fake blood, Mm -hmm. thinking that a shooter would not shoot somebody who's already been shot. In fact, this shooter did what I've seen too many other shooters do. And I've actually seen the video footage of it is... Once the shooter shot everybody, then the shooter shot everybody again in building A.
0: That's not an anomaly.
1: No, it is not. And there are people who are shot and people who are not shot intentionally. He says to them, I am not going to shoot you today.
0: Interesting. We haven't seen loads of that because they're normally indiscriminate. Mm -hmm. Does that tell you something about the shooter? Yes,
1: but not yet. So hold that thought this first one was in this confined room and there was really no place for anybody to go. And then he moves on to building B. But then as he's busy trying to find somebody to shoot, he kind of runs out of people and he ends up killing himself. And so this whole thing it is like, you know, it happens in just those moments. So the majority of people who are killed are probably his intended victims in the first building. And the people who are in building B who get shot at are more victims of circumstance, I think, a subject who's angry and he can't quite close that anger out. And until he kills himself, he's going to just keep trying to kill people. There are 10 people killed altogether, but nine of them are killed in this first location list of business, right? So the people Mm. are ages 29 to 63. These are people who have families and moms and dads and spouses. Quite the cross section of society, isn't it? Exactly. We found this
0: guy had three semi-automatic handguns with him. Is this a weapon that there would have been a pause to reload? Absolutely. He's got three of them. Does that mean he's got enough to just keep going without stopping? Potentially. So he could have pulled a gun and fired and
1: pulled a gun and fired and pulled a gun and fired it. And that does happen, but that happens rarely. So that's a good question. Uh, he was carrying 32 magazines with him. That's a lot of ammunition to carry. That's heavy.
0: Right. Heavy, but also, so he's actually physically going to have to take a moment to swap those chambers out of the magazine mm-hmm. rounds.
1: Here's how long it takes. I have my handgun. I pop the button, pull out the magazine pick up another magazine, push it into the gun, cock it, it's ready to go.
0: Right, exactly. I don't think Joe Blog's public knows that there might be that one tiny window that you can do something. I think
1: you're spot on on that. It really isn't a tiny window. If you could get up and run across the room, how far could you run in five seconds? Could you stop and see, as we saw in the Seattle Pacific University video footage from the shooter years ago in California, when the kid is there, sees the shooter, and he grabs the barrel of the shotgun that the shooter has, and he just holds onto it and shakes it and shakes it until the shooter falls over.
0: I mean, talk about a description of fight. A
1: great description because a gun only fires in one direction, right? So if you can disrupt the shooter, if you can knock a gun out of his hand because you come at him from the side or you're so close to him that you can just give it a shove or a push or something... They take seconds, but you can stop the shooting right there. And as we know from research, more unarmed civilians stop shootings. You know, I know people talk good guy with a gun, but nothing stops a shooting more than an unarmed civilian who chooses to step forward and fight against an individual who's armed. They do it and they survive, right? He targeted specific people that he wanted to kill. Maybe he didn't go in that day to kill this particular person or that particular person, but he went in to shoot. And as he began to shoot, he definitely picked his people that he wanted to kill in that first room. And then after that, it became kind of indiscriminate shooting until he decided to shoot and kill himself, which he did You know, probably within 10 minutes of his initial shooting. And yet he did all that destruction.
0: Yeah, incredible. Again, such a short amount of time.
1: I cannot overstress how in a world filled with anger that many of us feel like we're in right now, cannot overstress to you how far kindness goes. When in this case, he made a conscious decision and even articulated to some people that he wasn't going to kill them in that given day. And it's not the first time I've seen it. That's why kindness matters. But, you know, I wanted to talk about this incident today for a couple of different reasons. I think we have a good information about this subject here, even though, you know, it hasn't been too long past and also how the community responded in terms of passing laws. This transportation authority, people who worked here described it as kind of a rough and tumble place, a blue collar place, a place where people said their piece to everybody around them. And you had to be kind of tough and be able to take it. bit of a school of hard
0: knocks culture in the company by the sounds of it.
1: Right. And so think about a 57-year-old man who had worked in that environment for a large number of years, and he lived alone and had intended this for a long time. And the reason that we know that is because when the FBI went to his house, they found 12 other guns and, hold your hat, 25,000 rounds of ammunition.
0: What is the psychology behind that? You can't carry that amount anyway in one day, can you?
1: no ammunition is so heavy.
0: Yeah. I just find that fascinating. What do you think is going through somebody's head to stockpile like that? We
1: talk about an individual who commits a targeted violence and how they're on a trajectory towards violence and how they become grievance collectors. Remember our conversations about grievance collectors? Oh, yes. So you're angry, you're a grievance collector. I'm going to show them and you buy ammunition. Now, I'm angry on Tuesday I stop by my local store that sells ammunition and I buy more. I'm going to have these weapons. I'm going to be in control of the situation and people are all doing me wrong.
0: Okay. So he's been stockpiling. He's been stockpiling. Do we know how long that was going on?
1: A long time, right? More than a year.
0: He's been gathering
1: this ammunition up. In fact, on top of that, the FBI not only find 12 guns and 25,000 rounds of ammunition at the house, But there are 12 Molotov cocktails, which are not drinks, right? These are explosive devices.
0: So he set the house on fire as the intention that those Molotov cocktails will go off when that happens. Because what's the purpose otherwise, right?
1: Right. I think he just wanted to destroy. He didn't intend to come back. So he lights his house on fire. He thinks it's going to blow up and maybe destroy some of the evidence of what he did before or what his planning was but also when you choose to burn down your physical residence that is not just i want to destroy evidence it's really i'm willing to reject the
0: life that i've led
1: right so it really powerful i
0: hadn't thought about that in that context it's more than just in gaming yourself you're erasing yourself Mm -hmm. exactly And now, a word from our sponsor. EasyPA
1: is an integration-capable communication software that connects older building systems, such as signage and public address systems, to modern software technologies, such as panic alarms and mass notification systems. Additional features include built-in automated bell schedules, remote access, text-to-natural voice announcements, and custom audio playlists. EZPA is one of the only full-service public address and communications companies that has in-depth knowledge on both the hardware and software aspects of communication and evacuation-based products. As a solution-based company, they offer design, supply, installation, and maintenance of all their products. And for use in schools, EZPA software provides multi-zone capabilities. Prescheduled daily announcements and bells, and a remote alert button that can be accessed from anywhere in the school. Once a panic alarm is triggered, law enforcement is notified immediately. PA makes schools safer from any threat. Go to easypa.com. That's easypa.com to learn how to integrate your systems today. If you want to be a reseller or integrations partner, visit easypa.com to learn more. That's easypa.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We know he lived by himself. Do we know anything else about what happened before that in his life? Was he married? No, he lived alone. His neighbors actually said
1: that he scared them. The neighbor's wife said, he scares me. I don't want to be around him, right? Mm-hmm. He was very unfriendly to people. He didn't say hello. And then as they began to interview people, about him. Here's come to some of the things that we discovered. This subject, according to the VTA, wasn't facing any disciplinary hearings at this point, but everybody knew that he was a disgruntled employee. He was a mechanic. He was very angry. He was depressed. And he had spoken before about killing co-workers.
0: What? Okay. I didn't expect you to say that. And did anyone report that?
1: His ex-wife, who was married to him for 10 years, said he had spoken about it several times. She never reported it to anybody. And I'm not blaming her for the shooting. I'm blaming him for the shooting. I'm just saying leakage, leakage, leakage. Here's an opportunity. If you hear something, if you see something, say something because you never know. So she was married to him for 10 years. She said he was depressed and an angry person. He spoke of killing his own coworkers. He was employed at this place for 20 years. He complained about the assignments that he was given. His sister was interviewed. She said he was an angry person. He was reprimanded for saying something inappropriate over the radio, you know, angry over the radio. Everybody who they talked to, when we put all of this information into the categories, he was a grievance collector. He never fit in. He started in one job, he went to another job. He didn't like the way they changed the rules for vacations. He didn't like the way that they changed the rules on assignments. Grievance collector, grievance collector, grievance collector. And then I'll just add one other piece of information about him. He traveled in and out of the United States at one point. And when you do that, you have to come through immigration. And he was traveling from the Philippines at a time when our customs and border patrol people were looking for people who were traveling to the Philippines for sex trafficking reasons. And so They were keyed to that, and they stopped him, and they interviewed him, and they found notebooks and notes, and they talked to him about it. And they were keyed on this particular area. And when they interviewed him, he said he had dark thoughts about harming at least two people that he knew from work.
0: Chilling. He told that to the immigration people. What Mm -hmm. happened with that information?
1: They didn't report it to anybody because immigration people said, There is no system in place for us to report something to local police. There's really just no system in place to do that.
0: What would you say to that?
1: Well, you know what? This speaks to the fact that we have thousands of law enforcement agencies in the United States. You live in a country where they don't. Mm, True. And so this is an unending issue about information sharing. After our horrific um, 9 11, as we call it, we did change the information sharing systems and opened up a lot more ways to share information from federal, state, local, tribal law enforcement officers. But this really speaks to that we still have so much further to go about sharing information. And I think what causes that challenge is that stubborn Americanism that we all hold here, this ability to say i'm an american and i have a right to my privacy that's written into our constitution and uh, the challenges it raises in law enforcement is it's a incredibly con- decentralized system for gathering information about people and that's great for 99.9% of the people in the United States, but for that one half or that one-tenth of a percent of the people who are going to commit these most horrific crimes, there is no system in place to gather what they did in school, what they did at work, how many people they've aggrieved in different cities, in different states, whether they've had mental health care. I wanted to talk about a couple of things that came about because of this. And we don't have the outcome to this, but boy, this is something to pay attention to. This community passed two laws almost right away. One that said, if you are carrying a gun, you have to have insurance for it. And the other one said, you have to pay a fee that's going to go into some compensation fund so that when people are injured, there will be money to go into a fund to take care of their medical expenses and things like that we've talked about like red flag laws before and preventions on magazines that only can carry 10 rounds, which is the current law in California has been for years and red flag laws that might stop somebody who's carrying a gun from not carrying it if they're having mental health issues. But we've never really had laws in place that specifically say, we're going to be able to sue you better. Truthfully, I'm going to tell you as a boring lawyer, you know, most of your homeowner's insurance covers accidental discharges of a weapon. So, It's going to take legal action for us to see whether an insurance policy might protect you from legal action. If your insurance policy is now mandatory, can that insurance policy prompt you to have to pay more in damages? And will you have to pay this firearms insurance that's going to increase your premium? So the insurance thing is a little wonky right now. It's been challenged by gun organizations saying we shouldn't have to get insurance. And also, we shouldn't have to put money into a compensation fund. Those are being challenged too. But there are ways that we haven't seen before from an insurance standpoint, because we know insurance pays out lots of money. The Live Nation shooting in Las Vegas was like, $850 million was the Mandalay Bay payout.
0: I've just pulled up the question from Liz Irons, who gave us this question in the first place. And her question went back to the culpability of employers if the employees do bring the concerns to the employer. I've had a lot of discussions lately, which sounds super
1: sad, a lawyer discussing insurance with an insurance company because I'm a nerd. So that's what I bring to the table in the podcast. I'm the nerd.
0: (laughs) I don't know what I'm bringing. But anyway, keep your (laughs) Jim.
1: You bring the talent. You bring the talent. I'm just the nerd. Um, Under a US federal law, the OSHA law, we call it occupational safety and health, right? There's a clause, the rest of us in the world call it the general duty clause. And the general duty clause is that a business is required to maintain a workplace that is free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or injury, free from
0: recognized hazards. And in this case, obviously a disgruntled employee, is a recognizable hazard. Does that mean people can sue their company? How does that play out after the fact? Yeah. How
1: it plays out is that a company might say, well, this guy has privacy rights and we can't interfere with his privacy rights. And then you have to juxtapose that against the fact that the company has an affirmative duty under the general duty clause to protect employees from recognized hazards. And I use those words clearly. And I think 20 years ago, we would never have had a discussion and said, oh, a mass shooting is a recognized hazard. But 20 years ago, we had a handful of these types of shootings a year. And now we have more than one every week in the United States. It's a Jesus. recognized hazard, just like a tornado, a hurricane, a recognized
0: hazard. A man-made recognized hazard. Isn't that crazy? How many other man-made bloody hazards are there out there like that? Yeah, there are not a lot of them. What I'm hearing is you're going to need some deep pockets after some of this has gone down.
1: Yeah, there's no question that if you're an employer, there is not a shooting that happens that doesn't have lawsuits. And oftentimes the lawsuits that immediately are followed are lawsuits by victims and victims' families against the place where the shooting occurred and so I just wanted to stress that point you know I wanted to tell you about some heroes
0: yay oh my goodness I'm so glad you said that because we've had quite a few episodes where it's been very difficult to pull anything out maybe because they were cases that had just happened and those stories hadn't come to the fore yet please right
1: well, I mean, this is good, but sad. So I wanted to mention two specific heroes, and I'm going to butcher these names, but I'm going to use the names anyway and spell them because I think names are so important. One is Paul, and his last name is M-E-G-I-A. Magia is my best guess, Paul M. M-E- and the other is Tabjik Deep Singh. So T-A-P-T-E-J, Deep Singh. The shooting is occurring in this conference room, and everybody can hear it. And people in building A began to flee. And Paul and Tepjeek are two of those who began to respond. And why I call them heroes is Tepjeek was a 36-year-old. He had two kids. And his primary concern was putting other people in a safe location. For instance, he took a woman into one of the control rooms and he locked her in and he said, don't come out until the police come. He has a wife and two kids at home. His first thought is, I need to save this woman's life. I need to save these people's lives. Incredible. And, and Paul Magia did the same thing. He was pushing people outdoors and sending people away. And both of them were killed by the shooter, but both of them saved lives. Wow. They saved lives. Every man for himself does not apply to these two people. No, exactly. And, you know, we do tell people when we train them, Your first job is to try to save your life. It's okay if for some reason you're with somebody who's shot and you can't help them. You can help them maybe by fleeing, getting to safety, telling somebody there's an injured person back in that room. But we don't think of that all the time in these situations that so many people are willing to give their lives for others. It is heroism in the true sense of the word.
0: If you've enjoyed Stop the Killing, check out more podcasts from Community Podcast Productions, like this one. 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I've been dating for the last six months is a con man. That is my sister Emma. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba da ba ba ba. Science, science, science. Science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us?